Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is practical advice. Now, here's Bill Almack. Two elderly ladies were walking along the shore of the lake, just enjoying the day, when a frog came hopping up to them. And the frog kind of croaked, I'm not a frog. If you kiss me, I will become a prince and fulfill your every desire. The lady looked at the frog, looked at the other lady, looked back at the frog, picked the frog up, stuck it in her pocket, and kept on walking. The other lady rushes to catch up. Goes, whoa, whoa, wait, are you going to kiss it or not? No, I reckon not. Why not? At this point in my life, I think I'll have more fun with a talking frog than I will a prince. And sometimes we settle for second best. Right? We're old. We're set in our ways. We like things a certain way. And we settle for second best instead of for the best that God would have for us. Part of what Romans has been talking about is being transformed. And God wants to transform us into something else. But we settle for second best. So today I hope that we will be willing to be transformed as we go along. It's kind of interesting here how we've gotten to this point of Romans. If you remember, Paul's been talking about all the the basics and foundations of Christianity and salvation by faith and grace and loving one another and just laid out the tenets of Christianity And then he talked about how his heart was breaking for the Israelites and the Jews who haven't accepted the message. And now he starts these next couple of chapters, and today we're going to talk about Romans 12 and 13. And for our young people that are following along in their notes, your notes look a little different today. We're trying something different. One of the questions is, what passage are we talking about? Today it's Romans 12 and 13. And... Paul begins this series of this next like kind of four chapters, and it's really almost like the book of James. You guys know everybody likes the book of James because it's just full of practical advice. And Paul hits this section here, and it's kind of a cross between Proverbs and the book of James, where he's just given us all this amazingly awesome practical advice. And so... Um, we're going to just dive right in and get started with it. We are not going to get through everything here today. Um, I hope in your small groups or in your spare time, if heaven forbid you're not in a small group, because we all are in small groups, right? Amen? Hey, um, That you take time to read this, because as you read through this, you're going to read lots of verses that maybe you didn't remember were in Romans, but you've heard before. You've heard pastors talk about them. You've seen them on bumper stickers um, or little signs that, you know, cute people make and sell on Etsy or whatever. So um, just lots of good stuff here. And so we're going to dive right in. Hopefully you've got your Bibles open. We're going to start at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to read these first two verses from the message instead of the NIV. Um, 
So that'll be a little different, but you guys, you can hang with it, right? Okay, here we go. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as what? An offering. Embrace what God does for you as the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Now, we probably recognize this verse um, from more of an NIV version that says, you know, Christians must offer their bodies a living sacrifice. When I read that, I'm always a little, that's weird. Right? I don't know how to do that. I, I, what does that mean? Right? Sacrifices are bad, right? Don't they kill people at sacrifices, right? I don't, I want to do that. But this, I think, puts it a little better because it just says, listen, you got to offer your, your bodies, your, your life, your everyday average walking around life. Sometimes we think we got to do something special. We got to be something big. We, we got to do something great. You know, I got to be like Moses, you know, Red Sea, yeah, ooh. okay? God just wants your everyday, average, walking around, going to work life. You don't have to be the next Moses or the next Esther. God wants you the way you are. See, because some of us are plumbers, and we can talk to other plumbers. And some of us are longshoremen, and we can talk to other longshoremen. And some of us are, are office workers, and we can talk to other people in the office, or teachers. And God needs to reach all those people. And He needs us all in those places. And so just offer your average, everyday, walking around, going to work life. To God. And the second part of this is we got to change the way we think. We have to be transformed into something different. And we don't like that. Because change is bad, right? We like things to be constant. Change is difficult. But we need to be changed to not be like our culture, but to be mature the way God would have us be, okay? The next part of this, uh, Paul kind of gives us seven ways of humble service for Christ. Okay, And he gives us seven, seven ways to do that. And uh, starting out here in, in verse 3, it says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. 
Know anybody like that? Nobody here, right? Other people. What do we call that? Conceited, right? Don't be conceited. Don't think yourself more highly than you ought. And then Paul talks about the human body and different parts of the human body and and how we need them all. Uh, We read that in in our reading this morning. And then in verses 6 through 8, he gives seven examples of special skills that Christians should have. And I didn't list them there in your notes. You're going to see them as you go through your small groups. But, you know, he's talking about prophecy and serving and teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy, all these things. He talks about this in other places. He talks about it in Corinthians and in Ephesians. We call these things the gifts of the Spirit, right? Things that God has given you to do. And some of us might be good at one thing or good at several things. But what Paul is saying is whatever it is you do, it doesn't matter what it is. Do it well. It doesn't matter whether you're vacuuming the floor or whether you're preaching up front. It doesn't matter whether you're cutting out stuff for the little kid's craft. I always hated that. I'm a terrible cutter-outer of stuff for kids' crafts. I can't follow that line to save my life. Do it well. Do it well. It doesn't matter what it is. Do it well. Do it the best you can do it. Then he starts out and and gives us 12 ways to love. Sounds like a book on dating or something, doesn't it? Marriage encounter with Paul, 12 ways to love. But he gives us these these rules, and I'm not going to read the verses, but I'm going to give you kind of what I thought the rules were. And Paul here is really talking about us interacting with other Christians. And much of these rules apply to everybody, but he's primarily talking about how we should react with other people in the Christian community. Now, remember, in Paul's time, there's not Adventists and Baptists and Catholics and Methodists and Episcopalians and 59 other varieties, right? There's just the church. So he's talking about everybody. So what does that mean for us? Aren't we supposed to love Adventists? Everybody, right? And he uses this word agape love that we're familiar with. Um, this is the purest form of love. We just, we just love people, not for what they can give us, not for what they can do for us, not because they're related to us. We just love them, okay? And here's the, uh, the 12 rules that he gives us, starting in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Now, <laughs> I know I've talked about fake it until you make it. And Paul says you've got to be sincere. And those are not in conflict. Because you have to fake it until you make it. So someday your love is going to be sincere. But it's hard to start out loving somebody that you have not loved, right? Some people are... Let's, Let's be honest. Some people are difficult to love. Nobody here. We're all great. Okay? But, but we all know somebody that's difficult to love. And you just got to start acting like you love them. Whether you do or you don't. And eventually it'll come around. 
And so fake it till you make it is not in conflict with this because the goal is eventually someday you make it. Now, if you just fake it forever, then we got a problem. Okay? But we need to make it part. Love must be sincere. Um, he then tells us that we should hate everything that is evil and love everything that is good. Right? Sin should disgust us. But typically, only your sins disgust me. My sins don't disgust me. I just hope you don't find out about them. Right? Sin should disgust us. All sin should disgust us. Hate the things that are evil. Verse 10, he tells us, love other Christians. And again, that kind of applies to everybody, but he's being kind of specific here. We should love our other Christians. Number four, Christians must give honor to other people. A lot of times with the band here, people come up afterwards and tell me the band was so great. And they're telling me that because I stand in the middle, right? And I always say, yeah, man, everybody here is better than me, right? They sing better than me. They play better than me. That's why we sound great. Give honor to other people. And in, in my case, it's, it's actually true. Um, <laughs> but even if I thought I was better than them, I w- you shouldn't say that, right? Okay? We should honor other people. Verse 11 tells us that Christians must work hard in their service for the Lord. It's not, you know, sometimes we might have an attitude at work of close enough, right? It's just that's good enough. I'm going to put Philip on the spot here. Philip, when you're stacking those containers on those ships and they're going across the ocean, is close enough, good enough? No, they fall off in the middle of the ocean and then heads roll, right? Somebody gets in trouble. Close enough is not good enough, ever. And if you don't believe me, grow up with your father as a master carpenter. It's never close enough. To this day, I can walk into a room and tell you if something is off by an eighth of an inch. My dad calls me his human level. All right. We must work hard in it. Verse 12 tells us to have hope, patience, and prayer. Right? We hope for future glory with God. We have to have patience for the suffering we're going through now. And we are praying for the people around us that they will join us in eternity. Number seven, share with people who are poor. And something so easy has all of a sudden gotten very difficult. Right? The concept of sharing with the poor seems so easy. But now people come up and they ask for money and you don't know whether you're getting scammed or not. And you don't know what to do. And I don't have a good answer for you, but I'll tell you this. Make sure you share with the poor. Maybe you get involved with an organization, sponsor kids in another country, do something, okay? Make sure you're sharing with the poor. Number eight, be hospitable or practice hospitality. Now, in Paul's day, there weren't hotels. And so when travelers came to town, they needed a place to stay, and Christians would offer them a safe place to stay at night so they didn't have to sleep on the streets. Now, today we have Hotel 6, so you don't have to worry as much about that. 
But we should still be hospitable. Bring people over to your house. Invite folks over. Have a good time. We do that some with small groups. Um, And we should continue to do that. Verse 14 tells us to bless those who persecute you. Never fun, right? Somebody at work's giving you a hard time for your belief. Do you want to bless them? No, you want to stay far away from them, right? But we should bless them. Number 10, sympathize with other people. Um, we should be sharing in other people's joys and pains and, and you know, laugh when they laugh and cry when they laugh or cry. Christians should live in agreement with one another. Now, that doesn't mean we all have to believe exactly the same thing about everything. Right? Some of us are Republicans. Some of us are Democrats. few of us are even maybe Libertarians, and we never know what to do with those guys. Some of us might be more conservative or more liberal. In, in lots of things, right? Not just politics. But we can, we have different views. And that's okay. But we should be working together for the same goals. Okay? Number 12, don't be conceited. We talked about that already. We must not judge other people by their power, their position, their wealth, whatever. We, we should um, judge people by their Character and their relationship with God. In the next couple of verses, Paul kind of tells us a little bit how to deal with people who are outside the Christian family, right? People that have evil intentions, non Christians. He tells us, don't repay evil for evil, live at peace with everyone, don't get revenge, and overcome evil with good. Okay? So Paul has just given us this litany, and, and we, we blasted through that. Right? That's like about 12 good sermons right there, and we just did it in like five minutes. So um, that is the superficialist, highest level you can get through that. Okay? But there's good stuff here, and I just encourage you in your small groups to keep this list as you go through and read those verses and find it, because it's just really amazingly cool stuff there. Going on into Romans 13... He starts out with a text that's kind of difficult for us. He says, Let everyone be subject to governing authorities. Oh, man. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Uh oh. I don't want to get too political here, but that means this president was established by God. That means the president before him was established by God. And the president before him and all the way back to number one have been established by God. Would you treat that president whichever president, differently if you thought he had been established by God. That's tough. That's, that's double tough. 
Okay? Because we can probably take us and we say, the people who like the current president president didn't like the previous one and probably just about 100% swap, right? Democrats like their guy. Republicans like their guy. Okay? But regardless of whether or not you agree with everything that that president does, he was established by God. Oh, man. Some of you got to go home and delete Facebook posts. All right. We got to do this, though, right? We have to do this. Now, there can become a time where the governing authorities might tell you to do something that's against God's will. We have examples of this in the Bible. The Jewish authorities tell the apostles not to preach but they disobey that to continue to follow God's law. Daniel works for the king, but at some point has to step back and say, but I can't do that. I'm going to continue to pray. Okay? So at some point there becomes a line in the sand where you say, I, I can't go any farther. That's against God's law. And so um, we don't have to just necessarily do everything that the authorities say, but we should be... Um, supporting and listening to our governing authorities. Continuing on down in verse 10, he says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I'm going to tell you, I took a long time to think about this. Not just this week. I've been thinking about stuff like this for the last couple of years. I finally have just started to understand this. When you first get involved in Christianity, sometimes you think, I got all these rules. I got to do this and don't do that and do this and go to church and don't do this. And as you get older, you realize that there's about two or three things that if you do honestly and truly, all the rest of them take care of themselves. If you are thankful, you don't have to worry about loving your neighbor because you're thankful for them. And when you love them, you don't have to worry about stealing their stuff. You don't have to wake up in the morning and go, I remember not to steal anything from my neighbor today. That thought never occurs to me, right? Because when you love that person, you don't steal their stuff. You don't lie to them because you love them. And love is the fulfillment of the law. Because once you're loving, all that other stuff just happens and takes care of itself. Okay? Well, there's one story I have that is just a great example of this. Another political story, sorry. But this involved, this is some years ago. This is right after the Vietnam War. Anybody remember? Anybody here old enough to remember that? Few hands, not very high. Okay, I was a small child at the time. Nobody believes that. Okay, <laughs> a few friends believe me. Okay, um, so this is after the Vietnam War, and there are two senators. There was Senator John Stennis, who was a Democrat from Mississippi, and Senator Mark Hatfield, who was a Republican from Oregon. 
And just to tell you how much things have changed, I don't think there's any Republicans left in Oregon. So, you know, back then they had a senator and, you know, things have completely changed. Furthermore, the Democrat was in charge of the Armed Services um, Committee. And he was looking to build up our faith in our armed services again, right? After Vietnam, things were a little bleak for that. And he was trying to build that up, you know, and, and build the might of the United States again. The Republican, Mark Hatfield, was a known pacifist. He thought everything had a nonviolent solution and we, should, we could work everything out. We should never, ever go to war over anything. So you can imagine that they had some lively debates. They were at polar opposite ends of the spectrum. Okay? One night, John Stennis was going home after a long day at work. It's about 8 o'clock at night, got up to his house. Two young men jumped out of some bushes and proceeded to rob him. He didn't have much on him. 25 cents and a cheap wristwatch. And the young men got angry and frustrated, and in their frustration and panic, they shot him twice. He barely crawled into the house where he called 911 or the police. I don't even know if they had 911 back then. Called the police, got help, was in the hospital. Of course, you imagine a shooting of the senator hits the news. The, the media descends on the hospital. About 10 o'clock, Mark Hatfield comes out of his work after a long day and is driving home, and he hears this on the radio and turns around and drives to the hospital. And he gets to the hospital, and it's pandemonium. The, the media is everywhere. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Nobody knows anything, but everybody's got 10 million questions, and, and it's just pandemonium. And he's standing there, and he sees a switchboard, you know, the old kind, where you had to take the wire out and plug it in to, you know, to connect the line. And he said, I know how to operate one of these. And he sat down, and all night long, he answered calls and took care of business. In the morning, things started looking up, got a little bit quieter. He stood up. And he said, Mark Hatfield's the name. I'm honored to serve somebody that I deeply respect. And went home. Two guys that were enemies in the Senate House. Polar opposites. They couldn't agree on what to eat for lunch. He didn't let that stop him when it came time to love and to serve. And those two men remained great friends. John Stennis survived. Um, he got sick later in his life and was dying. And the person that was there visiting was Mark Hatfield. What a great example of how to love. Because love is the fulfillment of the law. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to fulfill the law with great love, Lord. You have poured out so much love on us, given so much for us, Lord. 
Help us to recognize that and to pour into other people so that they too can understand the love that you have. We you know, can only pour out a portion of what you've poured into us, Lord. But help us to become vessels that are busy pouring into those around us. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.